Welcome to self-checkout. Place your bananas in the bagging area. And no item in the bagging area. And no item in the bagging area. Take your receipt. What am I trying here? Okay, so hey David, hey, hey. how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing. You know, I'm doing great. What's in my bowl? What's in your bowl? So this is my take on a corn chowder. You know, chowder is more like our traditionally more New England um, based soups. Uh, they're thickened with um, some kind of like roux essentially, and they tend to be um, milk based. So this particular one, I really just wanted to celebrate the topic of this conversation this podcast episode which is corn so it's a corn on corn on corn chowder um and it definitely has much more of a mexican theme because corn is native to the americas and was a very significant part to the aztec culture and mexican culture um so in this one you're going to have um there is uh, sweet corn. And first of all, it's a corn broth. So with that, you're just basically taking the corn cob with aromatics and you're boiling the water in that. So that way you have that corn flavor in the broth itself. And then you have sweet corn. There is uh, yellow hominy, white hominy, wheat lacoche, which um, is a corn fungus. Uh, and hominy, if you're not familiar, is essentially a corn that is soaked in an alkaline solution. So, um, which we'll get into a little bit later because it's actually fascinating. Um, and there's also with this one, I, and I need to tweak this recipe a little bit more, but I wanted to use the thickening agent like a flour for a roux, but instead I used toasted masa, which essentially is, um, almost like a ground hominy. So it is that corn that's soaked in the alkaline solution. Um, And then on top of this particular one, um, there is a little bit of a chili powder that is kind of traditional that you would find in um, elote, which is the Mexican street corn dish. And it's like a chili powder with, it has sodium uh, and um, citric acid. So it's that sour. Micheladas too. Micheladas, yeah. Delicious. And the wheat lacoche that is in there. So wheat lacoche is a corn that is, it's a fungus that grows on corn and it's delicious. It is. Yeah. Can I talk about that soup that I just ate? Please do. Holy hell. So the one thing that I love about it is you've made, you've made a dish and I love this, um, I love like obsessive dishes that just take one theme and they go like, this is like a top chef challenge almost where it's just like, you're going to make, or it's like a chopped where they're like, where they're just like, oh, and in your basket, there's corn and there's some more corn and corn and corn. Um, but by no, by no stretch is it, is it one dimensional at all? And especially like the first thing I noticed is the textures, like each bite you have the sweet corn, which is like fresh Mm -hmm. and crisp and sweet. And then you have like the like the silky smooth, like slightly grainy, and like a really pleasant, like savory pear way. The the hominy is in there, which is just like really like filling and and like um like it, it made me think of potatoes. Yeah, exactly. And which is like very traditional in like a chowder, and there's no 
no potato. You got to say it that, that the whole. You have to. You have to. I don't know. I don't know how to say it other way. Um, That's, yeah, no. It's, 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 yeah, it's like little bits of potato in a, mm-hmm. in a clam chowder or corn chowder. And then you get to the wheat lacoche, which suddenly you have. Sorry, there's a little technical difficulty there. I was talking about wheat lacoche mm-hmm. and how um, it has this really great smoky quality. Um, that comes in out of nowhere with these other textures. And um, then the tahine, which David mentioned, um, is nice and spicy and sour and comes together really nicely. So um, this particular chowda, um, which I I really love this sort of a... It is essentially that, that ultimate fusion because this is, you know, it's an American New England style dish with using traditional... America's uh, ingredients of corn, which corn unknowingly became such a fascinating topic um, in the history of corn uh, was really interesting. Like, I don't know what you had discovered, but um, I was looking into basically what corn, kind of how it started. And um, apparently it is a grain the teosinte, yeah. Um, so it started same. off, yeah, started off as like the so gra- far we're both on the cool. <laughs> maybe we watched the same thing. So teosinte, which is a grass. Oh, did you watch something? I read. I read, uh, I'm so, I read some books. <sighs> so much better. Than <laughs> and by read, I mean listen to audiobooks. Okay, so I definitely, I was a reader when I was younger, and I do know how to read, um, and I enjoy it. I did do a light reading from online. But I definitely do a lot of my learning from visual. I'm a visual learner. So I I watch a lot of, like, documentaries. (laughs) (laughs) If I can. Um, But the one that I watched was basically just, like, the it was breaking down, like, Teosinte and, you know, what that is, which is essentially, like, a... It's, like, a grass and there's, like, a... Almost like an ear that has, like, these little, like, hard seeds that grow on it just much like corn um and then that is what eventually has mutated into what we know as corn um corn is you know it's a a crop from you know mexico and the americas and so when people came from europe and started experiencing this corn it was already like this huge political debate like corn was seen as less than right it was seen as um the, the the sort of the figure of what separated um, the Aztec people, yeah, corn and versus wheat, the Europe, yeah, it, right. yeah. Um, I do. Well, uh, before you Go get ahead. too far, I want to I want to mention that um, corn. You know, as uh, going back to your chowder, corn was found uh, in New England. Uh, it, it was it was growing in New England. It was growing all over the continental United States, like well north of Mexico. Mm-hmm. By the time that the Pilgrims landed. Uh, it had been cultivated to grow in just about every single microclimate of the continental so cool. United States, um, which is unbelievable. And so, like, the, this is almost an homage to chowder. It's the OG. It's the o- OC. <laughs> Original chowder. Original chowder. <laughs> we can edit that out. That would be a great shirt. Terrible shirt. We'll see. <laughs> I'm the original child. <laughs> yeah, you know me. 
Um, sorry, go on. I, I have to honestly say, like, because I do love chowder, and I, I think chowders are great. Um, corn chowder has always been the one where I'm like, who wants to eat a corn chowder Old that corn. literally, literally is like the laziest chowder right, ever? Right. Yeah. Stop saying it that way. <laughs> <laughs> you won't, and I don't expect you to. Um, the it's funny because it, it like corn chowder, it's right up there on the soup rack. And what people don't want to talk about is like you're really just eating a a bowl of creamed corn. You know, it's gonna gra- no one's grabbing corn chowder. Yeah, like if you're getting a can of chowder, which I mean, I I mean, first of all, I had like in high school I went through an obsession with clam chowder. Yeah. Um. Me too. I bet for different reasons though. Probably. Uh, my, I don't know if you're familiar with the author V.C. Andrews. No, I'm not. Oh, well, she's great. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with garbage novels. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell you that my obsession with novel with with um, with uh, chowder came from a different novel. You tell me yours okay. first. So mine was the Melody series. So V.C. Andrews, uh, she actually died, uh, and she has ghostwriters. But her most famous novel was Flowers in the Attic, which turned into a movie. Okay, uh, and then. Her books have this, like, very distinct formula uh, where it's, like, one main girl, three books, then it goes to her daughter, and it goes back in time to her mother or grandmother, and it's always about, like, incest and, like, sex and, like, family drama. It's, like, the ultimate soap in a book. Right. So good. Well, the Melody one was the very first um, book that I – of hers that I read, and I don't know if you know this, but I also – had a very bad learning disability. So I didn't actually learn how to read till I was in fifth grade. Yeah. So Melody was actually one of the first books that I read that was an adult book. You're like, actually, I can read. It just has to be pornography. But it was straight up pornography. <laughs> You're like, oh, I can read now. Yeah. She, JK. <laughs> JK, don't know how to read. I do know how to read. Um, actually, I really don't. I memorized, <laughs> I, I've memorized the words. Um, this is a thing that's true. Oh, so you so you just when you see a word, you mm-hmm. know the shape of the word, yep. and you yeah, okay, yeah. that makes sense. So that's how I I did it, which yeah. it works. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm I'm. It's weird. I can like move around pretty big numbers mm-hmm. um, in my head with math, but like I do like my times tables. I know them only by really weird. Like, basically the math equivalent of what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, there's just weird tricks. I'd never learned them. I could never just memorize it's them. It's not we, easy. I think I got sick that week, and then everyone else knew them. Um, I still don't. And they, like, but I, the way the way that I know the time tables is, like, totally uh, not the efficient way, but I'm still good at it. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. There's certain like ones I... Like, 8 times 7, six, 64. How do you do that? What's that? How did you do that? I made it up. I... Oh, <laughs> yeah. When you do that, like, no one's asking me that question, you know? 64, 8 times 7 would definitely not make no, sense. No, it wouldn't. Yeah. See, I just Got you, though. have faith. <laughs> see, you have faith. <laughs> I, I just have. believe. Yeah. And see, Why that, would you lie that's to me? How, about and that? that's, how, that's, how, that's how strong personalities control people who have a faith based <laughs> belief system. It's definitely my, my world. <laughs> oh, so, wait, you know, I have to, so the point is. Going back to me and my chowda. Right. So in this particular book, she goes to Cape Cod. Right. And there's chowda. The most erotic. And there's cranberry sauce. 
and she gets drunk off cranberry sauce and vodka, which is the first mixed drink I had ever heard about. <laughs> so I was obsessed with eating New England, New England clam chowder with. Wow. That's romantic. Cranberry juice. That's, that sounds like somebody who has learned everything they learned about Cape Cod from like commercials. Yeah. It sounds like your neighbor in Flagstaff had never been to Cape Cod and lear- knew as much about Cape Cod as you did. And, and we're just like, well, vodka's fancy and for rich New Englanders. <laughs> Cranberries, I think, from came from Cape Cod because I saw an ocean spray yeah. ad. Yeah, the bogs. And chowder. Do they not come from... Do they not come from the Cape? <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, oh, yeah, okay. they're, they're all throughout New England. There's I mean, a lot I, in there's a lot in um, in uh, New Jersey. We could go visit them someday. If I you would want. love that. Yeah, I've been to Cape Cod. Do you once. know how cranberries work? It's fascinating. The bogs they don't like, grow in bogs. Okay, no, it's like I don't know the question. I don't understand the question. Like, how do they work? How do they like, work? Do, do, do you do you to like like put them in like little like cubicles? Yeah. No. How do they? <laughs> right. Um. The, the water is just to collect them, which I think is fascinating. So you flood them. You flood it. So, like, they just grow on the ground. They grow on the ground in, like, little vines. And then you go through um, – they use, I think, like an automated machine, but they chop them off of the vine, and then you flood the bog, and they all float to the top. It's just for collection and harvesting. Because they're full of air. Yeah. It makes really sense. Buoyant. Yeah. We're covering so much today. Cram- I mean, this 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 episode is about corn, but let's have a cranberries for a second because I love cranberries. Yeah, and then um, I want to tell you the novel that led to my obsession with clam oh, chowder. Okay, okay, uh, whatever. Um, that's fine. We can do that. <laughs> I do want to know. Um, tell me about some cranberry. Maybe we should have like a a book club. So cranberry. So growing up, we didn't do any holidays, but we would do Thanksgiving. It's one of the few holidays that um, some Jehovah's Witnesses would celebrate, and. We had a very distinct cranberry relish recipe that was, like, my great-grandmother's recipe. And it was came from, like, a box or something. But it was cranberries that you juiced, and then you'd use the juice and the pulp with crushed pineapple, sugar, orange juice, and orange zest, and walnuts. And when I got older and I tried to, rem- like, replicate that dish, and I didn't have, me- like, my hands on a juicer, um, I decided to boil the cranberries to soften them and discovered that that's how you make cranberry sauce, <laughs> which is pretty cool. It's just like, cool. I mean, that's how quick a lot of things are made. Like you're trying to get an ingredient to work for you right. and with you. And then you're like, Oh, if I boil this, this breaks down and becomes this gelatinous sauce <laughs> by accident. Cranberry sauce. Right. That's, I'm not saying I invented cranberry That's sauce, but I invented broth. cranberry it's sauce for chicken, me. Yeah. Chicken juice. Tell me about your book, Connor. Oh, my, my obsession with uh, clam chowder just came from a, I don't know, it's obscure. You may not have heard about this book called Moby Dick by Herman <laughs> Melville. <laughs> Would it be really funny if I actually had not heard of it? <laughs> like, no, I, I, Moby Dick, it's, so it's about, is like a person it's named also Moby Dick? <laughs> it's got to be a pornography. Um, I'm going to look it up right now. Yeah. No, but the, in like the, the intro before they get on the boat, there's just this great, there's this whole great, uh, it's more than one chapter, but he's at a boarding house and they're just slinging chowder. And it's like crab chowder and clam chowder. And the way he describes it sounds so great. And um, 
maybe we want to be there. <laughs> I did just look it up. And the, there is a Moby Dick porn. Of course there is. It's <laughs> in the title. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty good. I mean, it's it's. I'm not going to repeat that. Okay, but I just read. Do you know Chuck Tingle? Is this a? That's a different. Is this a different episode. book or? Chuck Tingle's an author. Oh, okay. It's like it's he writes a lot of Bigfoot stuff, a lot of ghosts, ghosts like like big, Bigfoot like smut and like. I miss Bigfoot. I talk about Bigfoot at least twice a week. He's great. This is. Do you remember the eighties when it just everything was Bigfoot? So, yeah, it was Bigfoot and Australians. Yeah. Oh, down under. We were really That's into not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> it was just awesome. And crocodiles. It's just like, uh, let's yeah. just go back in time and just like live the joy that is quicksand, crocodiles, Bigfoot, UFOs. I mean, UFOs are still. I'm from Arizona. We love the UFOs. Yeah, you do. <clears throat> Can't help it. That's real. You got a whole lot of sky. Oh, nothing but sky. Nothing but sky. So I could see back to corn because corn is delicious. Yeah, you got a lot of corn there. Uh, too. Do you want to talk about. Oh, wait. Can we actually talk about something else that doesn't have to do about corn? Okay, we haven't. So, yeah. Yeah, so we've that We haven't talked about corn at all. Um, Corn's going to be one of those episodes that we have to come back to. Like, it is. It's, several times. Yeah, so this is a part one of five. It literally guys. makes up like all of our food Everything. as Americans. So. Last episode, we discussed bay leaves, and there was quite a lot of debate amongst Connor and myself. And so, I have a surprise, and I'm really excited. So, right now, I have three different vessels. Um, They are hot water thermal things. Uh, One is this blue or teal. One is red, and one is a black coffee mug. And I don't know what's in... I don't know which one has what. I had my boyfriend super secretively put fresh bay leaves in, with hot water in one, dry bay leaves with hot water in another, and then I also had my hands on some curry leaves as sort of like a, do we really know what bay leaves taste like? Um, and I also had him write down what each one was in an envelope. I love this so much. So... Um, Connor, I'm going to pass you the black one and the red one and I'll try the green and we'll just like, hold on. Yeah. All right. All right. This is, this is really exciting. Once and for all. Okay. So no one else has, no one's ever ever done done this before. Um, here, here's, okay. What we should do is taste the same one. Okay. At the same time. That's great. Have a sip of that. Okay. Um, I'm having the green one. Goodness, smell. It smells like hot water. <laughs> Don't say anything about it. Don't say anything. Don't say anything about it. Here, give it to me. Give it to Stop. He's like desperately trying to spoil it for me. He's like, it's, it's just really... <laughs> it's really hot. <laughs> it's really hot. It's really hot. Oh, wow. Oh, God. That burned my nose. Yeah. So I did do a little research into bay leaves while Connor's trying this. So there's the fresh bay leaf, which we're, when we find that, that's normally from California. The dried bay leaf is normally from Turkey or Italy. And then I actually didn't look up the curry leaf, but it's probably from somewhere local because it was a fresh one. Okay. So let's regroup after the teal. Um, I can say there is flavor there. Mm-hmm. 
I can also say that it is hard to imagine that if you have a um, if you have 64 ounces mm-hmm. of peeled tomatoes plus oregano plus garlic plus onions plus maybe carrots mm-hmm. other aromatics uh, salt pepper some olive oil that this would it's really hard for me to imagine that this yeah. would can I try from that one if that's okay because I yeah, yeah, yeah. did not actually right because you just burned your mouth and now you can't taste any of the following okay let me try it now yeah, it just tastes like yeah I, I can't there it is I taste it. yeah I taste it, it like it feel, it tastes it tastes vegetal it tastes grassy um I mean, it's not unpleasant by any means. So I don't want to tell you what I had read that Bayleaf is supposed to do. Yeah, don't do yet. It, don't do it until we're. Um, until but I do we're... know. Did you get a good one of this? I one? didn't. Um, but if you just pass it back, it, that one's not as hot. I don't think. Oh boy, this is. So this is very different. Has this a... is either wow. This is either the curry leaf or this is the fresh bay leaf because I'm getting like juniper. Yeah. Like I'm getting really like sort of like piney, like it's going up my nose and it has like a there's an unpleasantness in this the aroma. Like it's definitely herbal. Like it's Christmassy. Like that that tastes like an obscure um, liqueur that would be, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it, there's almost like a bitters in there too. Yeah. Like, there's like a medicinal, like yeah. Like, like it, but it's like but like old timey medicinal. Like it has it has. Um, that's almost like a most aniseed quality. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm going to say I think that's the curry leaf. I kind of love it. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I. You're welcome to have more of this tea. <laughs> I, well, the thing is, I don't know what a concentrated large amount of it is. Uh, probably nothing, but... There's, I, I had asked him to do, like, four or five leaves of each one. Makes me want to sneeze. So oh, that was wait. the... When you get a good sip of it, too, my whole tongue is, like, kind of numb. Are these coca leaves? <laughs> it's coca. So, surprise. It actually is coca leaves. There's, like, a part of it that smells like... Yeah, I'm getting it. Old people. Are you sure these aren't coca leaves? Because I have a strong... Because what we need to do is create it's this podcast like into... It's like, like it has that like um, Vicks vapor rub. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's on... Yeah, beyond piney, there's like a... Um, yeah. A sensory... Mm-hmm. There's like... It, like it, beyond flavor, it has a sensory... So quality. next week when we're dead, we find out that th- that, that was poisonous. <laughs> right. For the fact You should never, <laughs> ever <laughs> do this. The acid in the food you're cooking neutralize. Wow, I can feel it in the back of my nose. It makes me want to sneeze. Oof. Well, the curry leaf, from what I've discovered, is you normally put it in like the oil, and it like pops, and then it like. This is heady. Like this is like. I feel kind of like weirdly euphoric mm-hmm. from it. Like just just because it's it's like um. From just a. Uh, from just like a tea, it's creating a like sensory experience that I am not familiar with. Okay, we're on to the the third one. So we had the green one first, the black the black one, and now this is the red one. Oh wow! Okay, I think the last one must have been. It's so it smells so different. The last one must have been. I don't know if I didn't rinse this out enough, but I 
I feel like the black one and the red one must be they they are more similar than the first one. You smell this red container by itself. Because I get a lot more of a sweetness in this one. Still. I, see I, think, okay, I think I, I'm ready to place my bet. I think this is dried bay leaves. I think that black was fresh bay leaves. And I think that teal was curry leaves. Oh, oh wow. That's better. Okay. Unless it is just pumping through my sinuses right now. So this is my bet. The, the red one is fresh bay leaves. The green one is dried bay leaves, and the black one is the curry leaves. Okay. There's an envelope right there. If you want to open it up. All right. So, and I'll also tell you what I had, like, learned right after you opened this, because I think that that might have, if I have it right. (laughs) Your face is so dumb right now. Is it dumb? It's... It's very smug. It's smug. Why would I be smug right now? Are you completely right? Yeah, I'm completely right. Okay, so what was it again? So the um, the first one that we had, um, which was the one that we were just sort of like, oh, this just kind of tastes like, like it tastes like mm-hmm. something. It's like a little sweet, but it just tastes like herbal nothing. Mm-hmm. The one that like I totally I said the one just that lost. Yeah, yeah, that was the curry leaf. Oh wow. Um, the one that was like pretty bland and and mm-hmm. not a lot. Um, I think that. You know, maybe adding the entire leaf into a dish creates a stronger flavor than. than and you're also toasting it too, and, so and that, you're, and you're yeah. toasting it too, like you do with a lot of a mm-hmm. lot of Indian spices. Mm-hmm. Um, then the second one, which just kind of like blew our sinuses out, and I'm still like, still feeling it right now. Mm-hmm. Those were fresh bay leaves. Oh wow! Um, and the red one, which also was kind of bitter that you said that was the that was the dry bay leaves which i am amazed because those fresh bay leaves that was one of the strongest most unmistakable and yeah like like wow so what i had learned and now we know know that it does actually have some flavor a lot a lot of flavor um when you are using it in a dish the fresh one you don't want to use it in something too that you're cooking too, too, cooking too long because it produces a flavor that is unpleasant. Um, but really what it is that both of the fresh and the dry are trying to do is it's a bitterness that you're adding to the recipe that is sort of like a base that you build from. Great. So when you have that bitterness with all of those like fresher flavor profiles, it produces a more well-rounded dish. Will you be able to tell if there is a bay leaf in a dish or no? No. Right. But it does produce more of a roundedness. Yeah. Bitterness so. is, is kind of one of the most oft-forgot flavors. Yeah. Well, even when we were discuss- discussing last week of, like, what it was, and you're, like, a sweetness, and I was, like, an herbalness or, like, an umami or... Right. Um, I guess I had said herbal. I don't you know. You said sweet. I did say sweet. And I said you said umami. umami. So yeah. neither one of us are right. No. I would say that bitterness... Is, like, herbal. Is more in the umami camp. But that's just because I like being right. And yeah, and I, I'm create. also going to say that you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'm just saying that that's what I would say. Yeah, but you'd have to be wrong. <laughs> um, okay, let's go into corn. Let's like really deep dive corn. Let's do some corn. Um, so, um, I mean, the thing about corn that we really need to address is that, like, 
and everything that I'm about to say, most most of the things I'm about to say come from uh, one of two sources. I just want to like cite my sources. Um, and one is a very popular book by a very popular author, Michael Pollan. He wrote The Omnivore's Dilemma, which uh, brought into the American consciousness like in a big way how much corn we're eating all the time and how much of a foundational crop it is in not just food but in industry and how much corn like just is in our, like we're made of corn essentially <laughs> just it's so much it's so much a part of our american diet um the other book is 1493 which is one of my favorite books of all time if you're at all interested in um, the Colombian Exchange, food, anthropology, just history in general, e- economics, American history. It's a crucial book to read. Um, and yeah, so those are the those are the two main, main books that I'm referencing right now. But um, I think that uh, yeah, so so essentially, like since whether or not you're eating. Um, eating physical corn every time you eat meat especially industrial meat like that is corn that comes from like that is so like the sun makes corn and it's going to cows or sheep Mm -hmm. or pigs or chickens even salmon which are carnivorous fish are being trained to eat corn um tilapia so like places where you wouldn't normally see an animal eating corn you're going to see it makes me think of that there's like scenes and particularly like in cinderella where they have like the she's like giving like the chickens the corn kernels right i was used to want to eat those corn those kernels because they looked so delicious delicious it's like it's like the yeah i think it was things like that that ruined us ruined us made us food weirdos like um that the land before time with that leaf the tree star that was my first movie I saw in theaters. Mine was um, Little Mermaid. Oh, that's cute. It was. Mm, it was not that. I did see that in theaters, though. Yeah. Um. um well, I, I did want to say um, about that. Um, it, it's funny in in Michael Pollan's book. He talks about how um, about how the Maya called themselves the corn people because mm-hmm. like it, it propped up their civilization and their economy and how even to this day, um, as Americans and especially, as, you know, mm-hmm. the, the divide that you were talking about earlier, the corn people versus the wheat, um, people. The wheat people, a lot of Americans, especially European, um, native, um, American, like uh, people of European descent would classify themselves as wheat people because, you know, we love bread, mm-hmm. love it, but like corn makes up so much of our diet. A qu- a one quarter, one quarter of all of the SKUs, storekeeping units, mm-hmm. uh, for those who aren't grocers, um, in a average grocery store, there's 45,000 items. One quarter of them have corn in them. And that is not just food. That's cleansers and diapers. It's charcoal briquettes and matches. Um, It's the vegetable wax that's on the outside of cucumbers. So even vegetables that aren't corn, like there's, it's in packaging, it's in industrial products that build the store. It like the, the reach of industrial corn and non-food products is really hard to overstate. Um, just the way that it's taken over. Um, just everywhere. 
It's everywhere. Um, do you want to talk about? You talk about some. Corn I do. Let's so just, I do, let's just there, volley it there is, for a while. Okay, this is one that is not as like nerdy as yours, um, but it goes back into that wheat versus corn like um, war. So when corn went to Europe, um, it was seen as like so wheat were. Wheat was eaten by the higher class. Corn was fed to the animals and the poor. And people who were eating a diet of corn started to develop legions, losing their hair, and became sensitive to light, which is also around when legends of vampires started popping up. Whoa. Because these people were getting this disease called pellagra. Mm. And the reason why they were getting pellagra, and whereas the people in the, the Aztecs were not getting pellagra, is because of the way that they are processing the corn. So corn unprocessed, as we probably all are aware, it's really not nutritionally good for you. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't offer much. But when you soak it in an alkaline solution... It breaks it down and basically allows it so you can absorb the vitamins within the corn. Right. So you can... Niacin, right? Yeah. Right. Um, you can survive off of it. But the Aztecs knew that and the Europeans did not. Well, they didn't know that it made that they could live, but they just were able to eat it and not die. Um, and I just think it's really cool. So corn... There's belief essentially that that is why we have the legend of vampires. I love that. Is because the Europeans didn't know how to treat corn. Right. Yeah. And then you have like things like masa, which is basically a, a treated corn, and hominy, which is a treated corn. And it's also something that, as Americans, yes, we are eating corn chips and things like that, but on whole, like most Americans don't really cook with masa they don't really understand how to use masa and i don't think a lot of americans are reaching for hominy as much as i think they should because hominy is delicious it's wonderful yeah the um the thing that's interesting is while while corn untreated doesn't have um a lot of a lot of um like doesn't have a lot of vitamins, doesn't have a lot of, of like bioavailable nutrients. It is overwhelmingly higher in sugar fats and carbohydrates. So you will start getting uh, like you will survive, but you get those like wasting disorders and mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, so it makes sense that that would happen, too, because people would just be like, boom, look at this. Fills me up. Tastes mm-hmm. great. Feel like I'm I'm full of stuff. But like it's just it's not providing necessary uh, ingredients for you to survive on it. Um, did you learn anything about what makes corn so special biologically as a plant? Are we going back to nerd corner? Let's go back to nerd corner. So the one thing that I had learned was, um, the corn silk, like what is the corn silk? And essentially, and I think you're going to go more into this cause I'm not gonna lie. Like Grant was about to read this. I was busy cooking or something. Um, but each corn silk is attached to each kernel, and yeah. that is how the pollen goes down to the seed. Yeah. My dad actually grows corn. Mm-hmm. My dad grows popping corn because it's a fun project mm-hmm. for him. And he, he, he's actually tried to grow it in the um, traditional mm-hmm. way, which I don't know if you know about this. I don't. A lot of um, 
A lot of Native Americans grew them in tandem or in trandom. Trandom? Tridom. Don't even. No one knows what that word means. I don't know. I'm working it. I (laughs) made it up. This is like the multiplications. Yeah, no, it is. So. Look, language is a flu is a fluid thing, man. You can just, just we should just made up a word right there. Word. Like languages, blah blah. <laughs> just word jazz. <laughs> word jazz. So, um, so the way that uh, the way that a lot of agriculture looked like in the New World, when especially so settlers in James in Jamestown <laughs> saw um, the um, uh, Native Americans in Virginia growing their corn and a lot of people did this um, they grew they planted beans and corn in the same hole you just threw a couple of a couple of kernels of each a couple mm-hmm. of seeds in and they would grow together and the corn would grow so quickly that the beans would use it as a lattice and climb up and then underneath the sisters yeah the three sisters right yeah Grant was and actually talking to me about this yeah, yeah other, underneath you would have squash or pumpkin growing mm-hmm. around under un, under um, under the corn and um, interspersed you would have big field you would have like some clumps of tobacco plants because mm-hmm. tobacco really just like sucks nutrients especially nitrogen out mm-hmm. of the soil so you kind of have to keep it um, rotated mm-hmm. so um, my dad my dad does that he's tried that mm-hmm. with the with the beans I think I'm not sure where he's at with corn right now um, but um, The interesting thing about corn is that it's considered a C4 plant. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way that it harvests carbon from the atmosphere is unique. So all of the carbon in your body, Mm -hmm. like we're carbon life forms, that comes from – well, for us, it comes from the food that we eat. Yeah. Um, Now, from plants, the way that they respire is they take carbon out of – the atmosphere and use that to physically build their bones. So the CO2, oh. like that is becoming mm-hmm. their, their body. Like it's hard to think about that because we think about like, okay, so, you know, but they photosynthesize mm-hmm. sugar and they create their bones from then the carbon chains literally from the air. Wow. Um, so they do that through these things called stomas. These are these little holes on the backside of their leaf. And when you open a stoma to to do cellular respiration, uh, you run the risk of losing some water. <laughs> Just imagine doing like CPR on like, <laughs> <Right>. stoma. <laughs> well, breathing into a plant. Well, you breathe out of carbon dioxide, so it might help. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Just You're supposed to talk breathe. to your plants. Just go breathe right on them. Um, so most plants, 85% of plants are not C4. They lose a whole lot of water every time they open up their stoma to breathe in carbon dioxide and so they're not i mean there's nothing wrong with that it's just it that's how they do it that's how they do it like and a lot of regular crops like soybean and soybeans wheat those are c3 plants um they collect carbon dioxide in the regular way corn is c4 which means and 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 this is where my knowledge really starts to kind of give out Mm -hmm. a little bit it's a little bit harder to understand but as far as i know it what what it does is it has a body in the cell that is really adept at collecting higher concentrations of CO2 and not oxygen. So it's way more efficient at just getting what it needs each time the stoma opens. So while it's still losing water, it's just collecting really high concentrations of CO2 out of the atmosphere. Okay. 
And that's why it grows so fast. That's why the yields are so big. That's why it can support such a big, you know, that's why, I mean, corn grows like crazy. Yeah. It grows like corn. That's why it's an expression. (laughs) Um, 97% of the mass of corn comes from the air. 97% of what you see in corn comes from the air. The other 3% comes from the soil, but 97%. Like, just think it's about mostly that. just like think about a cornfield. Think about all of what we talked about with the everything that the corn props up in this country ethanol fuel, all of the food that we eat, all of the livestock feed that all is just harnessing it from the ox from, from the uh, the carbon dioxide in the air, which is why it is such a hardy plant that is able to grow so quickly and it's like proliferated itself all over the world which i think is just fascinating it's a cool plant it's gorgeous and also 100 percent dependent on us at this point that makes sense it cannot grow wild anymore um it because of the husk because of like all of the reasons why it's so useful and beautiful Mm -hmm. to us is 100 percent unable to defend itself reproduce in the wild but like it's one like it has made itself so valuable to us. This is Michael Pollan's words, not mine. Because he... You love he, him. He talks about... What's that? You love him. Well, I mean, he's really, like... Look, just own it. I, no, I do. Yeah, he, he, he talks a lot about how plants really um, kind of control us. Like, they're domestic, they domesticate us in a lot of ways by making themselves valuable. Because they're the winners in this scenario. Because mm-hmm. corn is now... Well, wasn't like, agri- world. A, like agriculture was sort of like, or agricul- ag- agriculture was essentially what made people stop being nomadic. Right. Correct. Like you were like, once you were able to harness that ability and you had to stay stationary. Right. And did we do that or did plants? Well, because they're not walking. Us? I know, but like by plants using what they got. Look, plants don't own me. Mm. I can throw my plants away today. Corn's your daddy. Who's <laughs> my daddy? Corn. Corny dad. Um, that's really gross to me. I, I don't want to be. Yeah, it's gross. It's I do love corn. I, I, sure, corn's great. Um, this is something that I think that we should also acknowledge fully is that the different types of corn. Yeah, let's acknowledge So that. I look, looked up and there was, there's essentially six different types of corn. You have dent corn, flint corn, pod corn. Popcorn, flour corn, and sweet corn. Sweet corn is mostly what we eat. Um, and then most of the corn out there that we are involved with is the James Reed's yellow dent corn. Do you hear about that one? It's a snappy name. It's such a snappy name. And I'm not going to pretend like I know if the yellow dent corn, the James Reed yellow dent corn, if that's the one we're eating or if that's the one we're actually using for animals i believe it's probably more for animals um but the reason why we have that is because there was essentially before 1893 there was a bunch of different kinds of corn out there and there was a world fair in chicago i want to say but i could be wrong on that one yeah h.h holmes yeah um and james reed had this one type of yellow dent corn it won the blue ribbon, and so that was the one that kind of took on Dang. the production, which is a style of farming that has become – it's the only way we do it here right. in America, yeah. essentially. It's like you pick one 
And that's why that's why we have things like heirloom tomatoes. Right, yeah, because hybrid corn does not yeah. reproduce. So all of these different ones. Um, and the one that you had mentioned that your dad does the, the pop popping corn, which I had, I mean, we've all had popcorn. Popcorn is awesome. Um, so when I looked at these six different types of corns, most of them, and I was using Wikipedia, most of them had like a different ear of the corn. Um, I think the flint corn was more like ornamental, which is like super cool looking. I could be wrong on that one. But the popping corn was the only one that didn't have a picture of the cob. So I then Googled popping corn on the cob and I found exactly what you probably, and people have like, oh, obviously David, this is how, like no one else was impressed by this except for me. But it, and I proceeded to watch a video from Martha Stewart where she took a popping corn on the cob where the corn kernels were still on the cob and put it in the microwave and popped it. Yeah. And I thought it was fascinating. I think it's and fascinating. impressive. And just now when I mentioned it, and, you know, I spent my, my money and like shipped off for some <laughs> and you just were not impressed. Oh, I was impressed. I just didn't like, know oh, that. Oh, you gotten this for dad. No, 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 no. I'm saying I've, no, uh, my dad grows it. I've never popped it on the corn, on the, on the cob before. We, we always would take it off. I'm very well, we impressed. old school. Yeah, let's do it old school. Yeah, yeah we did it old school. Well, I also love that this method. With a microphone. You have to use a microwave. With a microwave. There's no way to do it without a microwave for the, no. the corn. The There's got to be a way. Hmm. Um, do you know where the, the word corn comes from? Yes, I do. Why don't you tell me? Co- uh, corn uh, was just a, it was a, an English word for small. It's in the Bible. Uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. In the Bible, which is an English book, yeah. <laughs> which is a book that's in English, a book. <laughs> written in English, if they use the word corn. <laughs> um, yeah, it just means like a, like a grain, like a small thing, and which uh, even um, applied to like a grain of salt, mm-hmm. uh, hence corned beef. Oh, corned beef is corned so beef. good. I always thought that that was referring to like the mustard seeds in it or like maybe like peppercorns if they were added in there for spices. But no, it's referring to the actual salt. Oh, that makes sense because like the kernels like salt. Yeah. Yeah. See, I thought it was like some kind of like weird solution that you added to it. Like that's what I thought corned beef was. Oh. Like. You pack it in salt. Like, like almost it's like, like how you would treat corn to make hominy like i thought mm. oh i see that's what i thought you were doing i thought you were corning yeah you are the beef you kind of are you're corning it corn <laughs> corn it cornered uh, oh wait we didn't talk about we didn't talk about corn silk we mentioned a little bit like how it, like it was the yeah 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 so well it's really exciting the same day that the flowers which are a little bit lower mm-hmm. than the than the corn uh cob the silk appears the same day as the, the same day that the pollen opens up in flowers. And the pollen, the second that a bit of pollen hits the end of the corn silk, mm-hmm. which is the stamen, mm-hmm. I believe. So the, the, the corn the, is... The stamen is the penis, correct? Fuck. Is it? Cursed. Um, I forget the pistil and stamen. We can say the silk is essentially the flower. Like the corn okay. kernel is where the ovary is. Okay. And the pollen, when it hits the silk, when it hits the tip of the tip of the silk, it immediately it immediately uh, goes through mitosis and divides into two nuclei. 
Oh, wow. And one starts traveling and boring a hole through the direct center of that corn silk down to where the kernel will be. And the other one follows it. And the other one follows it down, boom, fertilizes <laughs> and creates the embryo. This, the second one, the first one who's still just chilling there, mm-hmm. that one goes inside and that becomes the endosperm, which is um, essentially like the egg white or it's the starchy part of the, oh. of the corn kernel. So the, in the corn kernel, there's the embryo, which then would go on to be another corn stalk and the uh, endosperm, which is the nutritious starchy part of the food. So like... How alien is that? Like, if you if you saw that reproductive cycle, or you know, if mm-hmm. you saw that laid out for you, I just I, I love. She sounds delicious. It just sounds so tasty. I really want to eat corn today now. Uh, I just did. I used a whole corn bowl. Yeah, I didn't. I um, I didn't do that. I had. We we ate a lot of food last night, so we were kind of like not feeling great this morning. Um, it was not a corn based meal for the record. <laughs> What was it? Oh, you you made some chicken stuff, right? No, I did a, a it's um I really I I feel really bad because I forget her name, but she is a um a writer, a food writer from Nigeria who now lives in Brooklyn and she does a lot of work for New York Times. Um and I've become kind of obsessed with her recipes, but she had a recipe for jollofy rice, um, which I made for you the other day. Yeah, it was wonderful. Um and in that particular recipe, she recommends having it with a braised goat and uh, fried plantains. And it was delicious. Wonderful. Um, but that's not corn-related. Um, I got some more corn-related stuff. You got some more corn-related? Yeah. You know about the history of corn in China? Then that's actually really interesting. No, I don't know. Okay. So uh, it's really brief, but um, specifically in China, there's a handful of waves of food that created the Chinese population boom. Oh, wow. um, one of them, completely unrelated, and again, lifted from Charles C. Mann's book, 1493, mm-hmm. which I love, is about the potato. But in corn, a little bit later, um, in the 18th and 19th centuries, um, corn was able to support a population boom of farmers moving north, or not, <laughs> not moving north, Moving into a higher altitude. That's not how directions work. Uh, <laughs> I made fun of Scotty one time for that. Uh, and I just did it. But, yeah, moving moving into previously barren, unfarmable mm-hmm. land, um, corn was able to uh, grow there, where yeah. rice paddies obviously weren't because they need low land. Like, they're, they're paddies. They need I don't actually know a lot about rice, so we need to do that one. We will. For a record. Like, they need low standing water. Um, you know, in these sort of like irrigated mm-hmm. pastures in order to grow rice. Um, so suddenly all these populations were living up in the mountains growing growing corn. Uh, that changed the landscape and caused a lot of erosion, uh, which then washed all of the nutrients out of the rice paddies, oh. causing uh, low profits. Mm-hmm. So a policy was enacted to um, – so, yeah, it was – Corn was banned. Maize was banned uh, in the 18th and 19th century. I'm not exactly sure on the dates. It was uh, banned in China. It was never enforced because the farmers in the lowlands were receiving tax-free rent from the people up in the hills that they they were renting to these. They they Mm -hmm. own these properties, 
that were useless, so they were letting people grow corn up there, and it was more profitable for them to rent out that land at a tax-free rate <laughs> than selling their more profitable rice having been taxed. So eventually, through lack of enforcement, the ban was lifted, and corn is one of I mean most of the, a lot of a lot of the corn um, in the world comes from China still to this That's day. That's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I really do love the concept of like here are these crops that are native to one land and you know really societies were built upon it and then they go elsewhere and people make it their own. Yeah. I mean that's what food is. It yeah. is just like <sighs> Wait till we start talking about potatoes. We want to. It's ownership. And it's... I've been doing a lot about thinking about, like, how food is... um, You know, wars have been fought for things about food. And, you know, there's a lot of... Like, it's memories. You know, it's... I was thinking about how my mother... um, when she would make things like, like ground beef, she would have to do like these giant chunks of the beef because my father, who was abusive to her, would hit her if the meat was, wasn't was diced fine enough. Wow. So and there were a few... protests? Yeah. Too. And like, I mean, they were divorced. Like, I never knew them together. But like, there are those levels of like, because of that negative involvement in her life with like the, how she made this thing... It mutated like how she would make spaghetti but at the same time so there's that element of you know f- hatred essentially with this thing how shaped how she would make a dish yeah. but then you know you have like my grandmother whose first language was spanish and my grandfather whose first language was english and when they met he taught her he taught her she taught her English and because, you know, he was a man in like, you know, the forties and thirties, he never cooked. He didn't go into a kitchen. So when he was teaching her English, he didn't teach her English in the kitchen. And so when I was trying to learn how to cook from her when I was in high school and she's telling me to grab a pot and pans or whatever, she's not using the phrase pot and pan. (laughs) She was using the words that her mother taught her. Wow. And it was the one place I realized that she didn't... Because when she learned English, she stopped speaking Spanish because there was such racism against right. Spanish speaking. she just speaking. never those words. Yeah. That's and, like, it's... it's fascinating. It's just, like, how food does have this, like, there's an element, unfortunately, of politics and yeah. racism and okay. culture... There's so much involved with food. You know, one way to groups, I know, like, they would try to control other groups by not letting them eat their food or grow their food. or Entirely. And, and even with, like, this corn, like, how corn was seen as, like, the lesser than crop mm-hmm. yeah. in Europe. Like, yeah, so they brought in, so flour tortillas became a thing. It's yeah. like, oh, you, you, I see what you're doing here, but you're doing it wrong. Here, we're going to make them more flour. But then that became such a thing. Like, I know growing right. up in Arizona, like, yeah, we have corn tortillas, but do we really have... No, it's more also flour tortillas. A, the um, the pettiness of conquerors, too, of people who are just like, um, no, like, we'd, we'd rather starve to death than eat your savage food. You know, the, the, just the, the, the total um, xenophobia of eating food that could potentially save their lives. Um, 
because it's not proper or gentleman's food. Um, you know, there's a million examples of that. And there was people who either, that's why a lot of the early, a lot of the early, earlier settlers from England, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of folks that, um, that joined the native Americans and first nations people. Um, they just, they, they took off. And at the time, you know, I, first nations people, I don't think really could conceive of, there there wasn't so much animosity and yeah. blood, bl- bad blood all the time because it was just like this is weird that this is happening but like yeah you can come live with us um you know and so lord knows how many people okay, there was an entire settlement that just disappeared that, that's totally defected said like uh-huh. f off england and they um and they just were never found there because there was no bodies found mm-hmm. there was nothing there was just some little hints that they that they that they took off and left with uh, with one of the First Nations uh, tribes that was around. That's there. so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, man, oh man, there's a lot. There's a lot. lot. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, you were talking about um, what foods you can and cannot eat as a people. Um, the Irish potato famine. Mm-hmm. Like when you get into it, it was a well orchestrated. I mean, it wasn't orchestrated. Mm-hmm. It's not pandemic. It's not. <laughs> It's not. It's not like this. There was a conspiracy, but um, the English took advantage of a really unfortunate um, agricultural disaster and did all kinds of things like they wouldn't allow hunting or fishing on lands that they considered to be owned by the crown. Mm-hmm. So, and, and they would also slaughter cows, round up cows, and take them away from people just to exacerbate yeah. the, the the famine um and to the, and that created these other weird after effects too where so-called famine foods like um there was shellfish that people collected and like people would make cheese mm-hmm. um cheese was you know for generations was considered famine food and the irish kind of lost a cheese making tradition because of it oh wow um because out of just like out of trauma that's so crazy. That's we should get into that one really soon. Irish like potatoes, potato famine or just potatoes? We could general. do the potato famine. Yeah, we could do a whole just one topic, one aspect of a thing. There's like endless. Yeah. Um. I know. What are we at now? Oh, we've been talking for an hour. What do we want to talk about next? Oh my god. Um. I don't know. I'm actually. A little zonked. Um, I in do general. think, in general. Oh, oh, you didn't mean like personally. Like I thought you wanted to talk about. Oh, like not me. Next like, episode. Next episode. So, <laughs> I mean, this week has been really, really pleasantly nice weather-wise. Um, but it is June right now. It is. It's about to get hot. In really hot. We did get a new micro, a new microwave. <laughs> we got a new. I don't actually own a microwave. We got a new AC unit, which kind of works, but not so great. So I really don't want to turn my oven on right now. Yeah, I see where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah, and I also even just like the stovetop is like a little bit much. Like I made dinner last night and whew, yeah, had a fan on, but like it was hot. Right. Um, and I've I keep wanting to like reach for like cucumber water or like just like a nice yum, yum. glass of something to quench my thirst um and so i was thinking like what about we look into 
thirst quenchers. Thirst quenchers. <laughs> thirst quenchers. Like, sort of like, oh, can we just do gushers instead? Gushers? Just a handful. There's like... So good. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah. So we're going to do an episode on all things cool and tart and sweet and delicious and uh, good to drink on hot summer days. We're also going to challenge ourselves Yeah. to not do something that is based in Mexico. In Mexican cuisine. I really love Mexican cuisine. I mean, it's part of my culture, even though I'm not technically Mexican, we think, but I'm from the Southwest. Yeah, it's unclear. Well, I've told you about why we don't know what, what my... I've never told you this. So my grandmother, whose first language is Spanish, right. um, my grandfather that she's married to is really into learning, um, tracing back where they came from. So like he did his, his line... Um, this is before you spit in a cup, like old school, you like research it. Right. Um, and he knows like he's from like Germany and whatnot, but my grandmother's, he was only able to go back so far because records used to be kept in churches. Mm. Um, and the church that my grandmother's family's records were kept in was burned down by Geronimo. Wow. So we actually don't know. Like mm. we think that we're Spanish, but then at the same time, my grandmother has darker skin tones right so we, we don't actually know for a fact right. um i've always thought that we were spanish just because of the different dishes that were being cooked um like she grew up doing like blood puddings and you know rice puddings which not isn't not done in mexico but this right. it definitely is a spanish dish. so the question is are you spanish or do you have some mexican yeah right yeah right. like it was it was it purely like a Spanish immigrant. Exactly. Right. Which we don't actually know. And I, we've been toying with doing the, the, when those ancestry me things, my mom wants me to do it. Yeah. I think that for, um, just a random white person like me, I I don't want to do it Mm because they take your, Oh, it's an ice cream truck. That's (laughs) love that sound. Um, for just a random person like me, like I can tell you like, yes, I have probably, Irish, which means mm-hmm. some English, some Viking. There's a, it's true. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing because the U.S. a Viking. It's just really funny. Me, the way I'm sitting right now, <laughs> <laughs> lounged on a bed. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I some 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 like Viking. Um, there's a chance there's some like Spanish or Middle Eastern because mm-hmm. that's just like part of the darker. Irish, the black Irish, which is yeah. what, like, my mother's side of the family is, and I'm kind of, like, have elements of, like, but who cares? Yeah. It's, all, it's all, like, European and maybe Middle Eastern, but, like, it, it, for someone like you who, who doesn't know, like, that could just, that could answer a lot of questions That'd for your family, and it would just, you know, you already have such an affinity and love of uh, Mexican culture and cuisine. I feel like that would be a really exciting fun thing for you cool to learn that it would also be i mean my brother and i have like a we argue over it a lot um not that you would immediately like like, adopt and be like i'm mexican american no 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 but i would just acknowledge because it i don't think it was as far back as like other people like i know that on my dad's side my grandmother she would trace back to the american revolution right which is technically not that far back but it's right I think it's farther back than my, my grandmother, my mom's side can be traced. Like being, I feel like her actual culture, particularly also just the language divide, you know, is 
greater than what my grandmother on my dad's side probably went through. Yeah. So, yeah. that's So, next week, there's Quencher. <laughs> We're going to do Quenchy Thirsties. So excited. Juicy Colders. Juicy Colders. Um, Icy Fruities. <laughs> or is it going to be Savory Savory tasties. Sippers. Oh, see, oh, damn it. I didn't. Yeah, Savory Sippers. That's the one. Ooh, see, like a... I'm trying to think of what a savory... I have a few ideas, but I don't really want to go into it. That's just soup. That's just cold soup. Gazpacho. <laughs> yeah, you're like, mm, I made this tomato soup. It's ice cold. I did it with a little bit of a Mexican spit on it. <laughs> <laughs> because that is our show. Two guys make Mexican food. I love it. Um, guys, thank you for listening, and we appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you. I appreciate you, Connor. You're my friend. You look great. I like seeing your face, by the way. I think this is for Connor shaved his face, and I, it's cool to see his face. No, yeah, this is the first time. Yeah. I didn't know because there was a mask involved, and then right. so, like, there wasn't a mask. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.